Hello and welcome to this episode of the BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome back to the BDNG podcast. My name is Ashton Cleary and I'm an advanced nurse practitioner in London. And alongside me is my lovely co-host, Emmanuel Tony. Do you want to say hello? Hello, and I'm also an advanced nurse practitioner here in London. And today we are going to be speaking to Dominique Mountney, and she is a dermatology staff nurse up in Scotland. And we are going to be talking about the journey of a patient who has been diagnosed with melanoma. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit, first of all, about, because you're writing an article for the BDNG uh, at the moment, a little bit about what that article is about. So the article that I'm writing about is the melanoma patient journey, but from a nursing perspective. So back in December, there was an article um, written about the patient perspective, and I thought it would actually be quite interesting to kind of look at it from a nursing perspective and what we can do as nurses to improve the patient journey. And what kind of lessons did you learn about doing this piece of work? That writing an article is actually not easy for starters. <laughs> There's a lot of work that goes into it and just, you know, reading up about everything that you know as a nurse, but then actually looking at it from a different perspective and getting all the references that you need to actually back up what you're saying. And you know, you know it, but then you just need the evidence behind it. <laughs> and specifically about your article so let's talk a little bit about what it what it contains what information and kind of has it changed your practice at all sorry lots of questions there yeah so from from my perspective you know as nurses we do everything on a daily basis you know we don't even think about it it is routine to us day in day out so it's actually really interesting to just pause for a minute and think hang on what what is it that we do on a daily basis and and how do we make that patient journey so, you know, memorable for them or easier for them? Um, so the article kind of delves a little bit about melanoma and sort of the generic patient journey as such. So what a normal patient journey would kind of look like. But then actually when you delve deeper, no patient journey is the same because we're all different as human beings. So, you know, the way that we react to a diagnosis, the way that our journey looks is going to be different, but it's kind of taking a step back, looking at it um, sort of from a step-by-step process, breaking that down. And then there's actually a part of my article that is, okay, let's put ourselves in the patient's shoes for a minute here. Um, What would we feel like if we were in their shoes And then the next part of the article is, okay, now that we've reflected on that, what can we do as nurses to make that journey easier? How would we like to be treated? And do you know what? The answer at the end is quite simple. It's just remembering that what we do as a routine day-to-day basis is not routine to the patient. So, you know, when they enter that room, they're in complete different territory and um, reminding ourselves of that so that we treat everybody in the same way in the way that we want to be treated. Yeah, no, for sure. And you can tell even from reading your article how emotive, you know, you're actually feeling. So before we delve into the actual journey of the patient, are you able to give us a brief overview of melanoma and the stages? Because for those, you know, patients and staff listening, they, they may not know the basics. Yeah, so that's that's how the article starts, is what is melanoma? So obviously melanoma is a type of skin cancer. It is the most um, 
dangerous, I suppose, form of skin cancer because it does have the potential to spread. But obviously, the earlier we diagnose it, the better. So, you know, awareness of melanoma is, is important here. And when we remove any lesion, obviously it gets sent off to the pathology lab and the pathologist will look at it under the microscope and that will determine is this melanoma and what stage of melanoma it is. So the deeper the melanoma cells go into the skin, then the higher the stage will be. So it ranges from stage one, which is just where it's the melanoma is contained in the early stages of the epidermis. And then you go to stage two, where it's still contained in the skin, but it's going a little bit deeper. Stage three is when it started to spread um, to the lymph nodes or there are higher risk features in it. So when the pathologist looks at it at the lab, they think, well, actually the melanoma started to spread from the original site so called a microsatellite or an in-transit. And then stage four is obviously when it's spread to lungs and other organs of the body. So there's quite a lot of stages and each stage has its own process, its own you know, evidence-based guidelines that we follow and, and follow-up period as well. So treatment can be different depending on the staging, is that correct? That is correct. So a stage 1A, which is the earliest stage of melanoma, would generally would just undergo a wide local excision after the excision. And that's to just reduce the risk of the melanoma coming back and recurring. And the follow-up would only be a year. And then when you're moving up to sort of higher grades, so stage 1B, 2A, 2B, then they would be offered a wide local excision and a sentinel node biopsy to check to see if the melanoma had spread. And then the follow-up period would be up to five years, if not more, depending on if the melanoma had been proven to have spread to the lymph nodes. And where do you fit into that as a clinical nurse specialist? Are you performing the biopsies? Are you assisting? Yeah, what does your day-to-day role look like? So I've got a background in dermatology and then I moved to plastic surgery where I've worked on the ward and I've taken care of patients after their sentinel node biopsy. And then I went into skin cancer specialist nursing for a year secondment. And my role there was taking care of the patient from diagnosis all the way through until you know, potentially discharge or if they needed oncology treatment, depending on, on their specific journey. But it was supporting them through that whole journey. And now I'm back in dermatology again, just working as a, a band five staff nurse. So my role is either helping the consultants in a lesion clinic or um, assisting in a minor surgery theatre when they're removing or when they're doing the wider excisions. Sounds like you have a really good kind of overview of the, the patient's journey there. So so picking up on that. So a patient has a suspicious lesion on their body, they go to their GP. What happens from that point? The GP will refer the patient via the urgent skin cancer pathway. So gen- generally speaking, in, in England specifically, they've got like a specific waiting. So it's two-week wait, it's called, where they have to be seen from GP referral to seeing a dermatology consultant. Up in Scotland, there isn't um, such a thing, but I, the ideal is to see them obviously as quickly as possible. So then they'll see a dermatology consultant or plastic surgery consultant, depending on the different trusts. Sometimes they split the work evenly. And at that point, they will have a look at the mole or lesion and they'll say, yeah, okay, I think we need to remove this. Sometimes they know straight away that it definitely is suspicious for melanoma. Other times they think, I don't know, I can't rule it out. So let's remove it and just, you know, err on the side of caution. And then 
sometimes the patient can have the mole removed or lesion removed on the day. Other times they'll have to wait to come back for surgery for that mole to be removed and then they have to wait for their results obviously after that. And in terms of uh, we spoke a little bit about kind of treatment options do you get much involved with the treatment options and also just to add to that I'm aware you also offer biologics for some types of melanomas correct me if I'm wrong where do you fit into that and then when do the oncology team and the Macmillan nurses fit in? So when the patient gets diagnosed with melanoma, any new diagnosis goes through the skin cancer multidisciplinary team meeting. That's the gold standard. And at that meeting, there are skin cancer specialist nurses, there are um, dermatologists, oncologists, pathologists, sometimes radiologists as well for CT scans and plastic surgeons. There's a wide team, a multidisciplinary team of people that will have a look at the, the that lesion under the microscope and they'll determine what stage the melanoma is and then they'll discuss the treatment options. Um, so that is when most of the care is decided. Usually and hopefully it's straightforward and they kind of follow the the standard um, evidence-based guidelines. So that would be the NICE guidelines in England and in Scotland we follow the SIGN guidelines. Um, And then depending on that, then the patient will go onward with their journey. So if they then had to go on for a wider excision and a sentinel node biopsy, for example, that would also then get reviewed again at the multidisciplinary team meeting. And that is when oncologists would get involved if one of the lymph nodes was found to have melanoma in it. And then for the breaking bad news, who would be delivering that message? Breaking bad news can be done by a skin cancer specialist nurse if they're confident and they feel you know, um, trained and supported to do that or otherwise the consultant who has removed the lesion or or registrar in the department. Up here, the clinical skin cancer nurse specialist will will do a lot of the breaking bad news, um, but the consultants also see the patients back as well. It depends on the clinics and availability. I think you've mentioned as well about you know, how everyone's journey is so unique and also people process information so differently and and bad news. How do you make sure that you have time to sit with patients and and discuss, you know, their, their concerns? That's a really good question. And I think that's one that consultants really struggle with because as a consultant, their clinics are so full. So it's really difficult for them to give the patient the time that they would like to give them to go through all their questions. Although I they do generally run behind in clinic to make sure that every patient they see, you know, they can adequately answer all their questions. But that's also where the role of the skin cancer specialist nurse will will come in. And they have the luxury of maybe having more time in their clinic appointments to sit with patients. Or, you know, sometimes I would just sit in with the consultant when they were giving the bad news. And then I would always try and find a spare room that I could take the patient to um, to go and sit with them and answer any further questions if the consultant, you know, had further patients to see. And that did work really well. And a lot of the patients were really grateful for the time. And, you know, sometimes it wasn't even about answering questions or even speaking. It was just the fact that they could sit, process the information. And if a question did come up, they could ask it or the fact that they've actually just seen your face and they know who you are. So they're more likely to pick up the phone in five days, 10 days time when they've actually sat and processed that information. And they say a lot of the time that in a bad news result appointment, the patient's only going to take in 40%, maybe maximum of what they're told. So you will find a lot of the time they will call you up with questions, sometimes even questions they've already asked in clinic that they just can't remember. And they've gone home 
they've shared the news with the family, the family then have questions. And so having that port of call, having that skin cancer, you know, nurse specialist is so important because they can answer the questions down the line. Definitely. And having that direct link to the, the CNS, is, as you said, is so important. But on the flip side there, in your experience or from your colleagues, how do they cope with dealing with some of these difficult conversations? Everybody deals with it differently. Um, I think from experience, a lot of the time it's about giving the information that's needed, but knowing to to maybe not give too much information in the first instance is it is really a lot of the work is about reading your patient and kind of adjusting the information that you're giving to them accordingly. Some people really want facts and figures and they want data straight away because they've already suspected that it could be melanoma and they've kind of done their research. And other people want the as little information as possible. They need they want the bare, you know, basics and then that they're, they're happy with that. So a lot of our work is about reading people and knowing when to speak and knowing when not to speak which is actually really difficult because as nurses I think we love to talk (laughs) as you can probably tell I love to speak so that was certainly a difficult part of the role that I had to learn was to know when to actually just embrace the silences. Yeah no for sure and I think um, you know having some psychological or psychological support in your clinic I'm not sure if that's something that you you offer but also I think where I was trying to allude to was maybe some support for the staff as well when if you are in that position where you're constantly the one unfortunately breaking bad news it can also you know affect you as well. Yeah we all rely on each other I think and it's really important to have a good team behind you that you can debrief to and that's where the multidisciplinary team does really come in because you you rely on different people for different things but up here in Scotland we've only got one skin cancer specialist nurse and she works by herself and when I worked on secondment with her I think it was really good for her to have somebody to speak to and and debrief to you know whilst maintaining patient confidentiality but when she works by herself she really relies on the other consultants and the team around her to debrief to and and it's what you do outside of work isn't it as well you know I do a lot of hiking and working out and that is my release from you know a really hard day especially a day when you're giving a lot of bad news yeah it can take its toll on you. If I can just ask you a question, uh, kind of bring it back to the article, uh, you've done a section on how we can improve the patient journey, which I think is quite interesting. Do you want to talk us through how we can uh, help improve that? Yeah, this was the interesting part of the article because it, a lot of what I've written in it, we do on a day-to-day basis, but I do think sometimes we just become completely complacent and um, that what our day-to-day is, is you know, we just do it day in, day out without thinking. Um, I think a lot of it boils down to communication and actually not even just verbal communication, it's nonverbal. So, you know, when somebody's walking into a department, you don't know necessarily what their appointment is for, but they could be really nervous. They're coming in to have a mole or a lesion check that they're really worried about, or they're coming in for their bad news results and they suspect that they're probably coming in to get bad news, or they're coming in for surgery and they're absolutely terrified of coming into a, you know, a theatre. And I think it sometimes it just boils down to a friendly smile Uh, hello how are you as they enter the department or distracting them whilst they're in the theatre and just 
you know, speaking a load of nonsense with them and, you know, asking them about their lives and, or again, judging your patient, not speaking and allowing them to just be by themselves and, you know, whatever suits them. So, so a lot of it, again, is about reading people, being self-aware, I think is a huge thing. You know, we could be having a really bad day. Patients will pick up on that. So actually it's about leaving behind we, you know, is going on in our personal lives and remembering that in that moment, the patient comes first and, you know, they will know if you're giving them a fake smile, an empathetic smile and an empathetic hello, a genuine how are you today, that goes a long way. But also it's about thinking about the surrounding and what came from my article is really interesting. Quite a few patients had said it was the waiting room. They looked around and there was all these scary posters everywhere and um, skin cancer posters and melanoma posters. And, and one of my patients who I interviewed for the article had said to me, it was that moment where I sat and I realized I ticked all of the boxes. And he said, and my heart just sank. And he said, you know, the waiting room was not welcoming in the slightest. And it really put me on edge before I even went in for my appointment. So environment is a huge part of it, as well as just our communication skills as nurses and just being friendly and introducing ourselves. That was a big one that came out as well was the patient won't remember your name, but they'll remember the way that they felt when they left that department. They'll remember that you said hello and you introduced themselves and you were friendly. They won't remember the content of your conversation specifically, but they will remember the way that they felt. And what the patient that I interviewed for the article said to me, I don't remember. I think the doctor's name was such and such, but I remember that she made me feel listened to, valued, important. And the nurse in theatre was really gentle and kind and reassuring. And I thought that's really interesting. He doesn't remember the content specifically of what was said on that day, but he remembers how he felt. And I think that's really important. It's about making sure that patient leaves the department feeling welcome and feeling that empathy and compassion exuding through all members of staff that they come across on the day. I think that's a very interesting point about all members of staff uh, and I think that's sometimes some of the challenges because you know often we do work in shared outpatient spaces where perhaps there's there's very busy or perhaps very loud clinics going on that isn't the ideal environment. So really powerful to hear kind of the patient's perspective and all of that and just knowing that the little things we do make such a big difference to people's consultations. And unfortunately, I'm sure we're all working NHS hospitals. Money is very tight. Trying to create sometimes a nice environment in the waiting room can be difficult. But I think sometimes we have access to charities that can help you know, that can help give grants for things. So I just think there are streams out there potentially to get a bit of funding, even if it's just a coffee machine to let people have a nice coffee. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ashling? Yeah, no, com- completely agree with you. I think, you know, as you kind of alluded to throughout the whole thing, it really is a roller coaster journey for patients. Um, and uh, both verbal and nonverbal communication are so important. I think the waiting room thing, yes, there's definitely things we could implement here to help support from that perspective but um, I think the main thing is I suppose what nurses should take away from this is really to pay close attention to whoever walks in that door and to make sure that they feel comfortable and they feel like they're in a place where they can they're 
you know, there's, they're confident in our abilities and they trust that they'll be able to contact us again if they have any questions. Um, what would be your take-home messages? I think I've probably circled around there. Yeah, I think you've summed it up. I think it's about being self-aware of the way that we present ourselves, the way that we greet people. It's about our verbal and nonverbal communication skills. And it's about being knowledgeable as to what a patient is going through, regardless of whether it's melanoma. I mean, this take code message, you could you could apply to anything. It could be somebody coming in with psoriasis or eczema, or that's the beauty of it. You know, everybody's coming into our dermatology departments with with a problem and a concern and a lot of anxiety potentially. So yeah, I think the take home message is just to just, yeah, be kind, be knowledgeable and be self-aware. That's a lovely summary there. And just, I know it's a bit of a giveaway as is the BDNG podcast, but will people be able to read this article? The, the article will be in the next issue of the BDNG um, journal. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. It's been such a, a, an insightful conversation and I really hope that, that the people listening to this will be able to help make changes to their practice. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's something I'm very passionate about. So it's nice to speak about it today. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website, bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.